Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hello and welcome everyone. It's Mother's Day. If you're listening to this episode on its actual drop date, May 8th, 2022, happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there. Of course, my own mom, my wife, both of my sisters, my mother-in-law, and the list goes on and on and on. Behind anyone doing incredible work, there is an awesome mom. And I will tell you, I am so grateful for my mom and everything that she's done for me and very grateful for my wife and all the incredible things that she does. Let's face it, folks, all the moms out there, you make so many sacrifices that just probably go unseen and unnoticed. And I just wanted to open the show by simply saying thank you to all of our moms out there. I hope you have a wonderful and happy Mother's Day. Today on the show, I am joined by Bobby Policino. Who's Bobby Policino? I'm glad you asked. Bobby is the head of upper school at Bullis School in Potomac, Maryland. He has served as a school administrator for over 15 years. He's also been a dean of students. He's been in different assistant principal roles. He taught at the high school level, including courses in science, leadership, and public speaking. And he's also been the varsity assistant soccer coach and the varsity head coach of the lacrosse program at Bullis School. Bobby is also the author of the upcoming book that we will talk about during this podcast. It is being published by Road to Awesome LLC. We're really excited about his principled leader book. I know you're going to enjoy listening to Bobby. And I will tell you, this was a great conversation. Before we get into that, just really quick, folks, I want to remind you, it's that time of year when professional development is starting to make it right to the front of your mind. And you're thinking about what's the work I want to do with my leadership team? How can I get my leadership team all on the same page? Remember, folks, the best place for that is right here with Road to Awesome. Let's have a conversation about high-performance leadership teams. Let's put together a two-day leadership retreat and work on getting all of the clear values that each of your leaders carries inside out on the table so everybody knows what is it that each of us value, what's important to us, what makes us tick. And then let's pull that into collectively. We value this. This is what we want to see. These are how our initiatives work together. This is how we work collectively together. These are our strengths. These are the things we need to support each other on and hold each other accountable to. Folks, high-performance leadership teams is an absolute must, especially if you have a new member to your team or if you just have a really large team and it's been a while since you've spent any time with that collaboration. Just imagine going into a school year knowing your leadership team is all on the same page and they're all clear on the work that needs to be done and how we're going to go about doing it. High performance leadership teams from Road to Awesome, that's the ticket, folks. You have nothing to lose. Give me a call. Reach out. All the information's in the show notes. I want to have that conversation with you. I will tell you, The dates are starting to fill up, so 
make sure you get that call in soon. Make sure you drop that email to me. Let's have a conversation. Now, Bobby Policino. I will tell you what. I mean, this is a guy whose academic leadership career is grounded in this healthy interest in leadership, and it's led him to being a part of different conferences with Stanley King Institute, Gardner, the Kearney Leadership Institute. Um, I will tell you that Bobby, this is the thing I think I love most about Bobby. He is rooted in building organizational culture just like I am. And that led to an incredible conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back into the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Today, my guest on the show is Bobby Policino, somebody that if you haven't heard anything about when you get done with this episode, you're going to feel like, wow, I've got to get to know more about Bobby. Man, I'm excited to have you on the show. Welcome to Leaning Into Leadership. Thanks, Darren. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. So for for my listeners who maybe don't know who you are, maybe share just a little bit of background, let them know, you know who you are, what you're doing, where you're coming from, those kinds of things. Sure. Uh, so uh, as you said, my name is Bobby Policino. I am working at a K-12 independent school outside of Washington, D.C. in uh, Potomac, Maryland. I've uh, been at the school since 2003. Uh, I've served in a variety of teaching roles, coaching roles, uh, dean of students, and and I'm currently the head of the upper school. Um, so I oversee a division of about 550 students uh, and about 75 teachers. Um, and I'm just sort of really starting to step out into the, the leadership world outside of my own building uh, with some uh, getting into social media and, and doing some writing that I'm looking forward to talking to you about today as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to talking about that too. I think there's some some really exciting things there, and we're going to kind of lead our way into that just just by talking a little bit about something that you and I have in common as leaders. It's something that that both of us believe very strongly, and that is we have to lead from our core values. Um, mm-hmm. You talk about that in in the book that you have coming up about being a principled leader. That's principle L E, folks. Yeah. Um, can you talk a little bit about more with the, you know, about what that means to you? And I don't know, maybe even give some examples that people could kind of learn from. Sure. Uh, you know, that really started off uh, as a coach, you know, and thinking about the way that I was working with my uh, team and my expectations for them and, and what I wanted uh, for them to grow and develop into successful young men, you know, after they uh, left the field with me. And uh, as I moved into this role and in, in working with adults and realizing you, know, you have to also be intentional there as well. Um, can't just assume that people are going to know what your values are or that they're going to have similar values. There has to be you know, direct conversations around that. Uh, and so that's part of what, what drove me to, to start to share more, whether it be at a faculty meeting or uh, on blog posts or, or in this book. And, um, and starting to read a little bit more and looking at what other leaders are doing and how they share their information and, and what they share and ways to do that. And and so three core values that I aspire to live by every day are integrity, discipline, and courage. Uh, you know, everything starts with integrity for me. You have to uh, not only speak about your values, but also live those values on a daily basis. Uh, so what does that mean uh, when you get to work? What does that mean about the conversations you're having with students or with your faculty? Um, what does that mean about conversations with parents? 
uh, and, and what you're doing uh, to provide support for, for their children, for their students. How are you answering questions? How are you communicating? Um, and then also, you know, where does that coexist with what you're doing at home? And that's also part of the reason behind this book is uh, making sure that the way you're living at work is the same way that you're living outside of work as well. Um, you know, from a discipline standpoint, that probably goes back to being a student athlete in high school and college and, you know, what you need to do to make sure you're providing yourself uh, the opportunity to be successful, uh, as well as your teammates, your classmates, your colleagues, uh, whoever you're working with. And so for me, you know, discipline shows up uh, with my sort of very regimented morning routine, something that uh, I was not doing for a number of years, uh, but realized probably about five years ago that it would allow me to be more successful. And so, you know, that means getting up at 4.30 to exercise, uh, you know, getting done with that by around 5.45 and taking some time to do some reflecting uh, on the previous day and then looking ahead. Um, also including in there some gratitude practice in the morning, meditation, uh, and really setting myself up then for, for a successful day. And having that discipline every single morning uh, drives me at work then to bring that discipline there and sometimes sharing that out with uh, the people I work with, you know, and being able to talk to them about, Hey, I know times are tough. Sometimes that's where routine can help us persevere and get through. Um, and the last one I mentioned was courage. You know, it, it's uh, courage, I think has, uh, and sometimes becomes this very big idea, right? That courage is shared uh, by our first responders, by uh, men and women in uniform. Um, for some people, just getting up out of bed every morning is, is takes courage or the decisions that they're making. And I think uh, educators uh, have been tremendously courageous in the last two years. Uh, you know, what they've had to go through uh, as we've gone through this pandemic uh, and making decisions in the best interest of their students that uh, every parent may not agree with, every faculty member may not agree with. Uh, but knowing that you're making a decision that's in the best interest of your building, of your community, of your organization. And so those are the three, like I said, integrity, discipline, and courage that really carry me through every day. I love that. And I want to dig a little deeper into one of the pieces that you talked about. I mean, there's so much good stuff there to unpack. But but what I really want to go back to is the gratitude practice. And I think this is something that I know at times I struggled, you know, as a leader in this particular area. I think that's why it just jumped out at me when you said it. Um, so often as the leader, we get caught up in all of the what we have to do and yeah. the things that we need to get accomplished and, and you know, goals that we have long term and short term for our organization and, and just all of, you know, being in the weeds and taking that time to be intentional, you know, about about gratitude and, and even just just the way you talked about that, like this mentally reflecting on and having gratitude for, you know, what, what's in front of you every day, I think is critical. Again, I, I really feel like at times I struggled with that. Yeah. Maybe go, go a little bit deeper with that. I, I think that's something leaders need to not lose sight of. I agree. Uh, and um, I'm right there with you with the struggling on it at times. You know, I, I attribute that in part to my upbringing. Um, you know, my brother and I had a, a fantastic upbringing in upstate New York in a blue collar family. And our father uh, was a combat veteran in Vietnam, served in the United States Marine Corps, uh, was wounded. Um, you know, and, and my father, you know, just expected things of my brother and me, you know, regardless of maybe how we felt, 
You know, there wasn't a pat on the back for taking out the trash or emptying the dishwasher. That was just expected. Um, and that's how I grew up. And I had coaches that were the same way in high school and college. And so um, when I got into this position, that wasn't something I always thought about, you know, and I wasn't looking for a pat on the back, which therefore meant I was very rarely giving a pat on the back. And, you know, I reflect on that as a coach and what I could have done differently for my players, maybe. Um, and it was probably five years ago that I started with this, Darren, because I had some conversations with people and some different organizations, professional development that said, you know, do you let your people know what you think about them? Do you let your people know that you appreciate the work that they're doing? Uh, and initially, my response was no, because they're adults and they should just go about doing their work. Right. Uh, and clearly, that was not the right approach. Uh, and so by now sitting down every morning, you know, seven days a week and writing in my notebook, you know, what are three things I'm grateful for today? And just answering those. And, and it can be all over the place. You know, sometimes uh, it may be something as simple as, you know, enough wood to throw in the fire or this cup of coffee that I have. You know, other times, you know, it's certainly been for health and wellness of my family as we've been through this pandemic. Um, but going through that process on your own and then getting to work and then, you know, being in your building and seeing the effort and the energy that your teachers are putting in, um, it's more visible to you when you have an attitude of gratitude, when you recognize that, hey, you know, this is impossible without these people and I need to, I need to let them know. Uh, and, you know, some of that uh, I've worked on, just I put a weekly email out to our faculty just to give them a heads up. Hey, here's what we got to look forward to next week. And then, you know, get your look at your calendars, you know, plan for this special schedule, et cetera. And started putting some shout outs in there, you know, and identifying faculty who've done some good things, which is something, again, I hadn't really thought of or done before. But I think as a leader, uh, you know, we have to let people know, you know, how much we appreciate what they're doing. And it also uh, reminds us just to take a look around, uh, which we need to do more often, because as you said, real easy to get down in those weeds and stay down there for a while. Yeah, I think... Um that actually spawns two more questions for me. But um, I think that's a really critical piece. You know, as as a school leader myself, for me, it was, uh, I, I call it the balcony view. It was, you know, actually going and being on the balcony of the basketball arena as a basketball coach. So, yeah. you know, in, in my own mind, I had to have this visual, just like I did of, you know, watching game tape, you know, which is always shot from up on the balcony. So I would be looking down on the floor thinking about, you know, those six things that to me were the most important things, um, those those core values that I checked in on myself regularly. Um, is is there a process outside of your your um, uh, your gratitude practices that you're doing to check in on yourself on those three core values that you mentioned? Just kind of, to, I don't know, look at the dashboard, check the gauges, what, whatever it yeah. might be. How do you do that? So I do that every Saturday morning. Um, I have the uh, luxury of getting up with the dogs uh, when they're up uh, while everyone else is still asleep in the house uh, and do a weekly reflection. And so really taking sort of looking at my calendar, summarizing, you know, to an extent sort of what the experiences were over the week and seeing, uh, thinking about the different meetings and things like that. Um, and then in there, did I live my core values this week and actually addressing that uh, in that reflection? Um, and then being able to say, okay, so, so why didn't I, what do I need to do differently? You know, what do I need to carry forward? Uh, and then at the end of that reflection, you know, what are my goals for the week ahead? And sometimes that goal may be, you know, be more present 
in this meeting, you know, or make sure you're listening first or make sure, you know, you're only asking questions in this meeting or whatever it may be. And so looking at that, um, you know, because again, in some ways that ties right into that core value of discipline. Am I disciplined enough to not speak first at the meeting that I'm running or to only ask questions? Um, or, you know, do I have the courage to ask a question at a meeting that maybe I think other people want to ask, but are afraid to, for whatever reason that that may be. Um, so that weekly reflection practice has really helped uh, with me to check in on myself and see where I am. And then, you know, maybe recognize where I need to make some changes and where I need to think differently. And that's probably been the most beneficial part of that reflective process that, you know, I started in 2017. Well, I think that's awesome. I mean, just being able to, and, and being intentional, you've used the word intentional a couple of times, be, being intentional to check in on ourselves um, as a leader I don't think we can be the best we can possibly be if we don't have a pretty good idea of where we are in all of those different areas. We we can't be everything to everybody. I mean, that's the trap that nearly every yeah. early career leader falls into. We're going to go there in a second. But when when we do finally figure out, you know, who we need to be for everyone, we've got to remember go back check in. I love that you do that that every Saturday and that you're intentional. I, I mean, I I've got to come back to this, that you're intentional enough and disciplined enough to go into a meeting with a strategy. This meeting, I'm only going to ask questions. This meeting, I'll make sure I don't talk first. By the way, leaders, the best leaders are going to talk last. Don't talk first. Let mm -hmm. everybody else do the talking. That's why you're there. Listen, you've talked about that too, uh, Bobby. Listen, listen, listen. It's important. Um, I just think that's really powerful, but, but here's where I want to go with this. So, um, I kind of referenced that a little bit, you know, my, my first year or so, uh, going from assistant principal to principal, um, man, you talk about night and day. Uh, I had no yeah. idea the difference 40 feet down the hallway would make in terms of, you know, what, what the role really meant and how to go about doing that. And, and I fell into that trap of, I got to do everything. I got to know everything. I got to be the answer, man. I got to, I mean, it was, <laughs> I didn't even have my assistant principals really doing anything other than discipline, you know, and, and that no. wasn't their fault. It was my fault. So I'm wondering, you know, one, did you fall into any traps that, that first year or two that you were a building principal? Yeah, uh, absolutely. You know, like you, you know, had uh, made that move from assistant to that principal role um, and, you know, in the same building, in the same school, um, having done that previous role for eight years. So, you know, really sort of knowing that, um, you know, front to back. And so sometimes stepping back into that role, forgetting that was not my role anymore, or, yeah. you know, giving advice to the person that, you know, really needed to, to learn there instead of letting them come to me and say, Hey, I got a question about this. Me going to them first and saying, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? And not giving them a chance, uh, which prevented me from doing the other parts of the job that I needed to be doing. I think the other piece was, um, Sort of taking for granted this idea that uh, I knew everybody in the building, I'd been working for them, so therefore I knew what they needed or how they were doing their role, how they were, you know, spending time in the classroom, whatever it may be, um, but not checking in, you know, not not going out and asking questions. And you know, one of the I, I have that story in the book where you know my my boss asked me in front of our leadership team, you know, do you have your finger on the pulse of your faculty? And I said no. I said, not because I don't want to or not because I don't care. I'm just, 
I've just been making some assumptions and not really being intentional about checking in on everybody and seeing what they need, uh, helping them, coaching them where necessary, uh, but just making the assumption. And when things didn't go well, being frustrated with the fact that they weren't going well, because I feel as an adult, you should just be able to do your job well and just not having that, you know, pause to say, hey, you know, what's keeping you from being your best self today? You know, what challenges are you running into? And, and why are you not able to do this? Because I've seen you do that. Uh, so that that was definitely a misstep that probably took a, a good year to recognize and then probably another, you know, six to 12 months to start to implement. Yeah, it makes me makes me think back a little bit on my first year. Um, mine was, you know, again, trying to do everything and just I was just like nonstop firefighter. And like you, I'd been uh, I'd been an assistant in that school for five years and, and I'd held yep. two different roles. I did discipline attendance for two and then curriculum and instruction for three. And I remember um, the superintendent, I, I don't know how many people interviewed you for, for your position. I think I had 12 people at the table and, you know, at the end of an interview, we, you know, we usually get a chance to ask some questions and, you know, I did the, Hey, what would you expect of me? Bobby, I can't tell you what anybody at that table said, except for the soup. Um, and, and a lot of those people, I know really, really well. Um, yeah. but the soup said, Darren, I need you to be the instructional leader of the building. Bobby, I already was in the role that I held. I was the instructional right. leader. And so it just like threw me for a loop. I'm like, uh, what does that mean? Am I yeah. not doing it well enough? Or, are you wanting me to keep doing the job that I was doing, like you just talked about, you know, and stepping into that? And it it took me quite a bit of time too to just to not necessarily separate the roles, but to number one, let my assistants do their job and get out of their mm -hmm. way. You know, they don't have to do it the way I did it. You know, right? Just you know, find your own groove. I think that's a big challenge a lot of early career leaders run into. Absolutely, I think, and in, in part of that you know, is not always having the coaching and not always having the mentoring of, hey, sort of, this is what you want to look for. You know, this could be a pitfall. You know, one of the things that I certainly hope to accomplish with the book um, coming out, you know, next fall is that idea of supporting, you know, leaders. And, and as I've said, that book really, I feel, is for current leaders and aspiring leaders because um, people that are leaders are, you know, stepping into potholes, here and there just because they haven't had some of that guidance. You know, one of the things that you often see in independent school world is, you know, a teacher does a really good job and gets promoted to department chair. A department chair does a really good job and gets promoted to academic dean. Or, you know, this person's a great teacher coach. She'd be a great dean of students. Um, and so there's this promotion piece, but there's no coaching and mentoring and conversation. You know, it's, you know, a different industry, but I think the analogy, right, is the uh, great sales rep who gets promoted to a sales manager and her region is awful because she's not good at leading people right. as, as salespeople. She was a good salesperson herself, but not necessarily a manager and a leader. Uh, and so we, I think we have to do a better job of that in schools across the board of providing that mentoring and coaching so that um, people have the tools to be successful. Now, I'm, I'm curious because because I did. Um, year two, I got a new superintendent. Um, that was a person who, he'd never been a principal before. 
And so he knew he couldn't really coach me as a principal. And, and that was true for, for all of our principals in the district. And he went out and actually hired leadership coaches for us. I mean, brought people in from the outside, yeah. which I mean, and honestly, that's a big part of why I do that work now, because it completely changed me as a leader. And but but this, this isn't about my story. I'm, I'm curious with you. Have you had that outside support or did you have somebody inside um, yeah. inside of your your independent district to to coach you in that process? I didn't really No. Um, you know, that's when I just, you know, I started reading more, you know, in terms of uh, <clears throat> it's funny, I, you know, having been an avid reader as a child and then, you know, just reading when I had to in high school and college and then not reading much at all after. Um, but I finally got back into reading more as I got this role because I recognized there was areas I needed to focus on, I needed to be able to grow. And um, that's first summer I read uh, Simon Sinek, Start With Why. And, and that had a huge impact on me. And it's every year at our back to school meetings, we talk about that. You know, what's our why? What's our purpose? And, uh, and really have that conversation. Um, so I didn't have it. Uh, we actually did some restructuring uh, at my school this past year. Um, and I went to... Uh, our head of school and I said, I, I, I want to bring in a coach for this new structure that we have. And I want this person to work with our deans and really, you know, help them uh, become stronger leaders and see things a little bit differently and give them someone else to talk to besides me, someone to get feedback from besides me, um, because I felt that was important for us to be able to have a, a strong year, especially coming out of, you know, the past 18 months, you know, sure. every school had so much uh, difficulty and kids need more help. You know, the kids that we're seeing in our schools, um, in high schools, right, developmentally, some of them are still more middle school like because of the past year and a half coming into this September when school started. Uh, and I think that's been instrumental in their work with our students and families and teachers. I think having that, just having, you hit it right on the head, you know, having somebody else to talk to or somebody to give you like that third point perspective. Of you know, hey, here's what here's what I'm seeing. You know, I'm not I'm not down in the weeds with you. I'm I'm here at about ten thousand feet, and this is what I see. This is what I hear from you. This is what I hear from others. Having that coach, uh, I mean, again, for me, it completely transformed me. Um, I'll I'll never forget my coach telling me one day he had come to my school, and I mean, we met in the parking lot at like six thirty, and before we even got to my office, it was like you know twelve teachers stopping me. You know that whole hey, got a minute thing. four or five kids. I need to talk to you about this, this, this. Um, my, my push board, you know, that people could pin notes on was just flooded. Um, and I had a a group of angry parents that wanted to meet with me. And, and anyway, at a point later in that day, when finally everything got, you know, under control, he's like, Darren, you got to stop being a firefighter, man. You got to start being a leader. You know, you got to start letting people let, you know, let the people around you you know, that have strengths, let them do the things that, that they're capable of doing. And it's probably the best advice I got as, you know, somebody who was early in their career in that particular, you know, type of a role. What what might be, you know, a, a, a tip or some advice or something you would give to an early career leader, somebody who maybe this coming September is going to be, for that first time, sitting in a principal's chair? Yeah, that's a great question, Darren. Um, and I think you, in part you touched on it already is that uh, they can't be the firefighter. You know, they have to give their team autonomy uh, and let them know sort of the expectations for them to address, you know, some of these different issues that come up. Um, 
And, but I think, you know, the most important thing is, is to go into all of your conversations uh, being curious. You know, go in there asking questions with a desire to learn and listen and hear more. And it's, you know, something I write down before meetings sometimes or I write down when I'm doing my reflection, which I know I don't do it enough. Um, but when we're curious, we're seeking information. And when we're not going in curious, we're making assumptions based on the information that we have before anyone's even shared anything with us. And so we're going in with these preconceived notions. Ah, well, I've seen this before, so this is probably what happened. Or, you know, this teacher has come to me with a similar problem, and they're probably always going to bring this problem. But there, there may be some nuance to it. So, I think to be successful uh, in that first year really is to is to be curious and ask questions and and listen to what people need. Um, you know, that's the most important thing, and especially because when we're listening, we're not talking, and therefore we're not giving advice and solving the problem for those individuals. Because when you become a problem solver for somebody, right, what are they gonna do? They're gonna keep coming back to you with their problems. Exactly. But when you help them see that they can solve their own problems, they're not gonna be coming around as much anymore, which allows you to focus on some other areas and be a leader. Yeah, and so obviously this is, this is an audio podcast and so you guys, you guys that are listening can't see me, but I'm over here like fist pumping um, at, at what Bobby is saying because to me, that's like one of the biggest tenets of leadership. And honestly, when you move from good to great as a leader, that right there that you just talked about is what you're doing on a regular basis. And that's not solving other people's problems, but rather you're empowering them and helping them take on solving their own problems. Great, great leaders will do that. Good leaders will just solve the problem for them. Um, that's, man, I, I could riff on this for like an hour right now. I really could. You just, you <laughs> hit a chord for me right there. How do you, how do you do that? I mean, I know kind of how I always approach it. I'm curious. You got people who just, Bobby can do this for you. You know, Bobby, I got a problem, blah, blah, blah. How are you pushing them to learn how to solve their own problems? Yeah, it, it's a good question. And it's still an area of growth for me. Um, and I think that, you know, sometimes it's part of being an educator. You know, we feel that, you know, we always want to help and we always want to support. And so sometimes when people come to us and they say, I need your advice, right? I, I have a question. I need your help with this. Sometimes, you know, it's a little uh, spark to the ego. They're coming to you for the answer and therefore oh, you, yeah. you got to give it to them. <laughs> so you do have to step back and and uh, keep in mind that ultimately what you want them to do is, is leave the meeting feeling that they've come up with a, with a plan of action because that's going to help them in the long term. So I think it starts with asking questions, you know, sort of, you know, why is this a challenge for you? You know, what what similar past experiences have you had like this that you were able to address or to solve? Um, you know, who else have you talked to about this? You know, what are some possible paths or solutions for you? You know, what do you need? You know, and sort of asking those questions and getting them to, to start to think about that because when you do that, you will often get them to start to see different options, different pathways that they have to address that problem that they had all along, you know, they maybe didn't ask the right person or maybe weren't thinking about it because they're in the middle of it. And I think that gets back to, you know, the idea that um, 
some of our best thoughts or solutions come up in the shower, right? Because we're not thinking, we're not in the middle of whatever that problem was, right? Uh, yeah. And so when you help somebody think about it in a different way based on the questions that you ask and they're able to detach from the actual scenario, that will oftentimes lead to them, you know, finding the answers that they didn't think were there. I just love that. I, I, one of my favorite leadership strategies is to ask questions. Um, and I mean, to the point where, um, as a superintendent, one of my principals uh, got to the point where she almost kind of joked about it, but she's like, okay, I'm going to ask you a question, Darren, and I expect you to ans- ask me a question in return. <laughs> um, you know, but, but my, one of my favorite questions was always, well, what might you want to do? You know, what are you right. thinking you'd like to do? You know, as opposed to just, you know, oh, well, here's, here's how I used to do it. No, you know, what might you want to do? I think that's just, you know, you hit it on the head with, with asking questions. It's just super, super powerful. And, you know, when, when it comes to solving other people's problems, folks, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, you know, Darren, Bobby, I don't, I don't know if I buy into that one. You know, I mean, it's my job to, to solve their problems. Hey, we both agree with you, but, but I would tell you this. I had, when I first became a superintendent, Bobby, my HR director, she was HR and finance. And she was the busiest person in the district. And it wasn't even close because everybody came to her for everything. I mean, they like bypassed their building principles and came right to her. You know, Martha, I need this. Martha, I have to do this. Martha, I have to do this. And I finally stopped her. I'm like, hey, what if what if we start getting people to solve their own problems? She's like, oh, I, I don't know. I'm like, well, let's, we work through it. And I mean, at a point in time, it was incredible. She stopped working 75, you know, 80 hours a week. She didn't have to because she could right. actually get her own job done instead of having to do everybody else's work for them. And I, I, I saw so much growth from so many people across the district because we gave them the opportunity to solve their own problems. And right. I, th- I think they appreciated being empowered. Yeah. I think the, the piece that also gets in the way sometimes for leaders is I can turn this 30-minute meeting into a 10-minute meeting by just giving them the answer, right? And then they're out the door. So now I have 20 minutes to make that phone call to send that email and not recognizing that, um, well, it may take longer. Maybe that 30 minutes is going to take 45 minutes, but you might have two or three of those conversations and then that person may not come back anymore because they know what to do. And you have to be able to play the long game and see that that I'm going to give this person the time and we're going to work together. I'm going to coach them up and provide that support and empower them so that they have that self-confidence to address those issues moving forward. Uh, but sometimes, you know, we get stuck, you know, battling the tyranny of the urgent and feel like I have to end this meeting and give them the answer so that yeah. I can get to, you know, my inbox. Tyranny of the urgent. I absolutely Love that phrase. That's one I have never heard, and it's, it's it just became my new favorite phrase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, so I want I want to take something else that that you just that you just kind of talked about. You know, with that that battling through that that self confidence and, and some of those things. And so, in a way, let's let's shift to talking about your book, but not specifically the book. We've been talking about the book honestly this entire time. But talk about your process and and what it is that led you into wanting to write. There are a lot of people out there who want to write a book, but I think the research says that it's like 6% of people who say they want to write a book actually end up writing a book. 
Um, yeah. it, it's amazing. So how do, how do you, how did you go from, I want to write a book to you? I mean, you've already written it. It's, it's done. It's just waiting now right. to be edited and completed. So talk about that. Yeah. You know, um, as I mentioned, it's probably been about five years that I've been doing those reflections and started the gratitude journal. And, you know, part of that was really looking at the work I was doing at school. Um, and, recognizing that there was I had some cognitive dissonance between the way I was carrying myself at school and at home. You know, I, I think about, uh, you know, my upbringing, the way I, I sort of uh, approached being a parent, you know, and sort of talking to my wife about, all right, well, when we have our kids, it can't be in the spring because I coach lacrosse and, you know, it'd be really hard for me to miss practice and miss games. And so clearly not putting family first right from the get go. Um, and, but clearly we family we, family planning never works that way anyway, right? Well, my kids are August, October, October. So <laughs> Oh well, maybe it does. It, <laughs> it did work out there. Um, but you know, there were times when my kids were younger, I would leave for work in the morning, they're asleep. I I'd work teach all day or, you know, serve in my leadership role. Then I would coach. I might have an evening practice or game, and sometimes I'd come home and my kids would be in bed already. And I leave the next morning and they're still in bed. So I'm living under the same roof as my child and maybe not seeing the, him or her for 36 or 48 hours. And, you know, starting to recognize that that's, that's not acceptable. That's not what I should be doing. I'm, I'm giving more attention and more focus to my student athletes, uh, to my teachers, to my colleagues, uh, to my students than I am at home. You know, I'm saying that we need to, to, live these values and these principles. That's what I'm saying at work every day. But am I really doing that, you know, when I am at work? And so when I uh, stepped down as a coach to move into this leadership position, one of the things that I said to my players and in a letter to the alumni that I had coached or worked with or interacted with over the years was that it was time for me to start living that same way uh, at home that I was talking about to you all in the huddles and in the locker room and in the hallways and those things. And so the book writing process, which probably started three and a half years ago, was about, all right, how am I bringing these two things together? How am I living this not only in my building and on my campus, but also at home? You know, what am I doing? And so when I look at that book, you know, I talk about leadership principles, but I also talk about relationship principles. When I talk about relationship principles, I have to think about what am I doing with my kids, you know, at home under a roof that is aligned with what I'm doing in the building and in talking to students and, and how am I demonstrating what it means to, to show empathy, to have patience, you know, and, and to work together. Um, I said recently at a parent meeting, uh, I said, when you think about your patience level with your children, and you think about sometimes when it's really frustrating and you say something to your child, would you allow another adult to speak to your own child that way? You know, I had some parents sort of, you know, I sort of pop up and I said, listen, I'm not a perfect parent and I'm not saying that I haven't had those moments either, but those are things that we need to think about. You know, how we carry ourselves uh, has to be the same if we want to be our best selves, no matter what situation we're in. So that really drove me to say, I need to start putting this down on paper. And, and when this book comes out, I think if I've been honest and, and really written 
what I wanted to write, somebody might pick it up and say, I don't know that Bobby does that every day. And that's okay. Because I think there, there's, there's an aspirational aspect to this book for me as well. And I want to be held accountable to that. And I want people to be taking a look at that. And, and so that's really what, what drove me to, to finish it this past summer. Well, definitely a book that uh, folks are going to want to read. Hope you know that'll be uh, out late this year from uh, from Road to Awesome Publishing, um, a principled leader. So, so Bobby, the last question I have for you today, um, it's the Leaning into Leadership podcast. How are you leaning into leadership right now? Maybe something you've already talked about. You want to go deeper, or maybe something we haven't addressed. But how are you leaning into leadership? Let's say, you know, two areas, one sort of leaning into my own by, um, you know, working with that coach that we had hired for, for myself and the deans, um, you know, giving him uh, some feedback that I got and, and listening to him uh, share observations from conversations he's had, conversations the two of us have had. Um, it was funny. This is the first time that I've really uh, had someone talk to me about being a pace setting leader. I, I haven't thought of myself in that way, but I think in light of uh, the pandemic and the way that I didn't seem to slow down in the two years and, and stop and uh, recognize that other folks needed to do that. Um, not that I was saying, hey, go do this, but people were seeing what I was doing and not having that conversation. So sort of really leaning into my own self and saying, what am I projecting? What are people seeing from me? Uh, am I being clear about about how and why I'm taking the steps that I'm taking and what are my expectations of you? And so that, you know, that's for me. Uh, I would say then, you know, for our deans, you know, it's been about sort of uh, asking them what their experiences are, what they're doing, how they're growing, what steps they're taking, uh, letting them guide our direct, you know, one-on-one meetings that we have every single week. You know, what do you have on the agenda? What's there? You know, what steps are you taking? And as they're filling me in, you know, then saying, okay, so what else can you do or what can you do differently or how can you address this? And so by putting that um, opportunity in front of them and giving them some autonomy and some responsibility, going back to, you know, what you shared, Darren, earlier about sort of not doing everything, right? Giving them that opportunity and saying, okay, here, go with this. What are you going to do with this? And and really that idea of, of delegating and getting a, um, a better understanding of how that makes our entire community stronger and better. I think that's outstanding. So if people want to get in touch with Bobby, how is what's the best way for them to connect with you? So uh, at Twi- I'm on Twitter, at Bobby Policino. Um, so you can find me there. I'm also on LinkedIn. Um, and I've also done some blogging on Medium. Uh, if anybody's familiar with that, you can just go to uh, medium.org and type in Bobby Policino and see some of my uh, blog posts on there as well. Yeah, and we'll put all of that information in the show notes, folks. So you want to reach out and connect with Bobby, you've got the opportunity to do that. Bobby, thanks so much for coming on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I really enjoyed this conversation. You just dropped leadership gold nuggets all over the place. I hope a lot of people scoop them up. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Wasn't that fun? That was just such a great conversation. Thank you again, Bobby, for being a part of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. It's time for a quick pep talk. And I want to go back to something that Bobby said during 
the interview. He used the phrase, the tyranny of the urgent. And it made me think a lot about how myself as a leader, especially early in my career, would fall into the um, firefighter mode. You know, that feeling of I have to run around and take care of this and take care of this and take care of this. And if as an early career um, leader, uh, early career administrator, you fell into this trap, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, you're just exhausted when you go home, but you really didn't get much done. All you did was run around putting out fires for other people. I will tell you, I had this conversation with somebody this week on Twitter, and I think it's really important, leaders, that we don't lose sight of helping other people solve their problems. Um, The statement that was made on Twitter, and I think I'm going to use this in a blog post coming up here fairly soon, and I might even do an entire podcast on this because it was just that powerful, was somebody had shared a statement they heard their leader uh, say at a meeting, and, and I'm sure it's something that the leader had heard and felt like, oh yeah, this is a good way to approach it. It's a phrase that a lot of us have said, and it's, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions. Okay, well, there's a problem there. And this person pointed it out. Leaders, you're supposed to help people solve their problems. That's part of your job. Not just simply have them come to you with, hey, here's the solution, I already took care of it. Now, that said, and this is where the conversation went back and forth with this person, uh, great conversation, by the way. As leaders, what we need to be doing is not always solving other people's problems for them, but helping them learn how to solve their problems. And sometimes part of that process is coming to the leader and saying, man, Darren, I've got a thought. Here's what I'm struggling with. You know, and being that thought partner, being that sounding board. But when we make a statement like, don't come to me with problems, come to me with solutions, I I think that's just a little bit harsh and maybe a little bit too far. Let's take a step back, think about that a little bit, take it for what it's worth. But I think our job is not simply to tell people to come with solutions, but to help them find the solutions. That's your pep talk for the week. I hope you enjoyed this edition of the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. It was certainly my thrill to be able to share it with you and to come to you with this. Again, happy Mother's Day if you're listening to this on May 8th, the drop date. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend whenever you might be listening to it. Please do me a favor. Give me a subscribe. Give me a five-star rating. Give me a little bit of feedback. I'd love to see some reviews. Tell me what you're thinking about with the show and share this show with somebody who you think might enjoy it as well. Have a wonderful, wonderful road to awesome week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.